Hey there. Before we begin the episode, I wanted to quickly introduce you to the Art Is Podcast's new partner, Artmo. Artmo is a community-centered marketplace where any artist can sell their work and any art lover can buy art commission-free. What's really cool about Artmo is it's the first platform of its kind that lets you sell both physical art and NFTs in one place. They're bridging the traditional art world and the Web3 universe, and I'm super excited about it. The best part? You can turn any of your physical or digital artworks into an NFT on their platform, adding provenance, security, and authentication to your piece. NFTs can be a bit tricky to understand and create, but thanks to Artmo's dedicated team, it's become so much easier. And that's not all. Artmo is not just a marketplace, but also a media platform where creatives can connect, network, and join open forums and discussion groups. It's a great place to engage with fellow artists and art enthusiasts. Also, it's totally free for artists to sign up, and there's no long application process or gatekeeping involved. So what are you waiting for? Join the Artmo community now and head over to Artmo's website to sign up and start sharing and selling your work. Go to artmo.com, A-R-T-M-O dot com, or check out the show notes of this episode to learn more. I really started Art Is, a podcast for artists, as a way to create the show that I was looking for as an art student. And it's amazing to be able to really return to that impetus with this fifth season and go back to my original effort of learning in public and creating transparent dialogue around issues that I believe to be highly relevant for emerging creatives. This is Art Is, a podcast for artists, where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. Welcome to Art Is, a podcast for artists, season five. I'm delighted to be back creating the podcast and so happy to be sharing this season with our new guest co-host, Lauren Hill. I got to travel to Los Angeles to record this season with Lauren, and I couldn't be more excited. Lauren, how about you tell us a little bit about where we are? So today we're sitting in the Toshin Collector's Edition Lounge in the Beverly Hills store, this iconic space that was designed by Philip Stark, a French designer. The store has been here for over 20 years, and I'm so excited to be recording in this space, it's so inspiring. There's beautiful books all around us, some very collectible books, one with even fur on it. Yeah, and for those who don't know Toshin, Toshin is an international art book publisher. We publish fashion, film, fine art, music, all the arts, big coffee table books. And some of them are very affordable. They start from $20, and some of them are very expensive. The most expensive book that we sell comes with a piece of a meteorite and is in the hundred thousands of dollars range. So we're known for making the, the largest, most beautiful books on the planet. We publish in about seven different languages and hundreds of countries. And that's why we can have such affordable books, too, because we have such a wide distribution. But they're the best of the best quality 
within any other art book publisher. You can tell when it's a Tashin book because of the quality, because of the print process, because of the paper quality. It's They're just stunning books. And I actually started with Tashin about seven years ago as the wholesale rep for the West Coast here in the U.S., I actually found this job through working at a gallery in the Napa Valley. So that was the original introduction I had to Toshin. I was selling the big sumo size of the Annie Leibowitz book, and it's called the sumo size because it's the biggest book you've probably ever seen in your life. It's so big that it comes with its own tripod stand. And we actually have used the same book binder that the Vatican uses because the books are so large and no one else can bind them. But I was working for a gallery in the Napa Valley that sold these sumo books. Currently, the Annie Leibowitz is $7,500. It's signed by Annie Leibowitz. It's a limited edition. And originally, when I was working for the gallery, I was the top salesperson of this book. And we sold quite a few of them. It's called Arena Galleries, just to shout out the gallery. And at the time, it was, I believe, December of 2014. And I had no idea that I was even going to live in L.A. But Benedict Toshin, the owner of Toshin, came up to the Napa Valley with his family to visit the gallery because we were the top selling space of the Annie Leibowitz other than Toshin in the world. And the owner of the gallery actually introduced me as the top salesperson to Benedict. And I was kind of overwhelmed at the time because I knew this is the owner of this global company that's so inspiring to me. And he asked me what my favorite book was. And I told him the Mark Ryden book because Mark Ryden is one of my favorite artists and the book is stunning. We also sold other books at the gallery. So this was another one of the books we sold. So then after meeting Benedict, about a month later, I received a package in the mail and it was the Mark Ryden book signed by Benedict saying, thanks for all the hard work. And I was just overwhelmed with gratitude of, wow, this man, out of all the people that he could send books to, he sent a signed book to me thanking me. And it made me feel so great. Then four months later, I was searching for jobs in Los Angeles because I decided I wanted to move to LA. And one of the weekends that I was coming down to LA, the sales director of Toshin at the time came into the gallery. I introduced myself and she said that she was filling in for the West Coast rep because they didn't have one at the time. And I just remember she handed me her card and the the rest is history. I ended up about a month later getting a job at Toshin as the West Coast sales rep and then working for them for five years as I started my creative coaching business. And now I work part-time in the store. So I work here at the Beverly Hills store a few days a week while I coach the other days of the week. 
So it's a nice combination. I get to meet such creative people, some of which you'll be hearing on this podcast that I met here in the store, other artists and designers. And uh, we get celebrities in from time to time too. And so some of my clients are celebrities, which is so fun. But it's just, it's kind of full circle to be able to record this podcast here and in such a beautiful, inspiring space around all of these stunning works of art. It's so interesting to get to hear the story of you and Tashin over the years. And that's really what we wanted to bring to you today. Lots of different stories from Lauren and Mai's perspective. So I wanted to tell you about when Lauren and I first met in July of 2021, when I found a post that Lauren had made on ilovecreatives.com, which is a great resource and website for all creatives. I highly recommend you check it out. But I saw a post that Lauren had made explaining her ethos as a creative career coach and sharing in brief what she does. And I found it to be so unique and interesting that I immediately sent her an email and we had a first conversation together in that summer in July of 2021. And That led us to having a conversation on the podcast, and we actually have collaborated on various episodes throughout the past seasons, so I'm just thrilled to be able to collaborate with you again for the entirety of season five. Yeah, and we did did an IG live on my Instagram at one point where I interviewed you, and then later on... It was September of last year, 2022, where you contacted me again, inquiring about coaching. It's crazy to think that it's only been a few months since I started doing coaching with you because the impact has been so profound um, that it almost feels incredible to think about how I was before diving into my own like personal professional development journey individually and also with your guidance. So if we could go back a little bit too, because I do want to hear more about your journey and where you were at in 2021 when we first talked and even before that, what was that like for you? Yeah, so I uh, graduated from Edinburgh College of Art, part of the University of Edinburgh back in the summer of 2020, straight into the pandemic. And I graduated with a degree in contemporary art history and sculpture. And of course, because of the situation with COVID, our degree show, the closing exhibition of the master's program was unfortunately canceled. Despite lockdown, I was actually lucky enough to get to create a kind of hybrid home studio where I was in Edinburgh. I worked outside in a communal courtyard terrace structure that was previously never used by any of my neighbors. And I just set up shop out there for a month or two and was able to continue making. And that really helped center me and keep me calm during that time. But after partly finishing the work I had planned to make for the exhibition, I returned from Edinburgh back to Rome where I grew up and 
all of the sculpture I had made was large scale casts in cement and resin and plaster. And much of the work actually incorporated decommissioned industrial machine parts. So there was no way any of this work could travel back with me. So I left it all behind. I gave it to my neighbors mostly and recycled some parts and returned some things to the university for other students to use moving forward. But I left my five-year degree in physical media with no physical art at all and really focused on podcasting as my main interest because throughout the years of studio work at Edinburgh College of Art, I always listened to podcasts. I always saw podcasts as a as an opportunity to differentiate uh, my learning and get perspectives from beyond the creative industry as well. But I really started Art is a Podcast for Artists as a way to create the show that I was looking for as an art student. And it's amazing to be able to really return to that impetus with this fifth season and go back to my original effort of learning in public and creating transparent dialogue around issues that I believe to be highly relevant for emerging creatives. And it's, it's really interesting to think about all of these interwoven stories that have marked our journey over the past um, few years and what led us to where we are now and how we're working together collaboratively. And it just makes me think so much about the changing definition of what it means to be successful. And I reflect now on where I was as a recent graduate in 2020. And it's just been really remarkable getting to benchmark that change of definition in my own mind. And so I wanted to ask you, how do you think about the notion of success for creatives? Yeah, and I can speak to that personally as well, just because my transformation has been quite unique and coming from a background where I worked a corporate job and I did go to art school as well. I went to California College of the Arts and I studied illustration and after I graduated, I actually graduated in 2009 when the U.S. economy was going through an, a unique state and so it was similar in a way to 2020. It's very different, but similar in that a lot of things were changing. And I moved back to Napa to move back in with my parents and figure out what I was going to do because I felt, okay, I have studied illustration. I have these skills, but how do I market myself? How do I create a business? These were all things that I did not learn in college. And so I just wanted to find a job. And luckily, I, that's actually when I first, I was my first client as a creative careers coach, because what I did was I started doing a lot of research on how to find a career that was in alignment. How can you make money doing work that is in alignment and that you enjoy? And that's really what I help people do now and specifically creatives, because that's who I am. And so I was researching different ideas and, and had this whole journal that I created 
at the time, I was contacting different job posts. And then I saw this one job post for an internship at a fine art gallery in Napa. And I ended up applying and they said they needed someone for free because the owner had just been in a bicycle accident and was in a coma. And the gallery had been there for 20 years. And I just lucked out with getting this position. He actually passed away a few days after I had been hired. So I'd never met him. But they then hired me full time. And I started selling thousands of dollars worth of artwork just like that. And so that journey of working for a gallery learning the business side of the art world, and then moving to LA, working for a publishing company, learning the wholesale side of things, learning how to network, learning how to invoice, how to ship, all of these different things that I really didn't learn in college. And I have that background that I can share with other people. And that's part of the reason I created my coaching company, because one, I love listening. I love hearing people. I love reflecting back what I experience in that person and how they can understand their own thoughts a little bit better and become more aware of what they really desire. And my mom is always like, why didn't you go back to school to become a therapist? And I'm like, I am a therapist in a way, but in specifically in the coaching arena with more strategy work. So bringing it back to success, you know, for me, just to be straightforward, last year I made less money than I've made in a long time because I started my own business. And I started it, I started coaching four years ago, but I coached for free for two years just to get my bearings and really understand what I was doing and who I was marketing to. 2021 was the first year I started getting paid clients. And 2022, I actually doubled my my income from my business from 2021 20, to 2022, which I think is incredible. But in my corporate job, I was making more money. And so it's been a, a trade-off, but also I know that like, there's no limit with my business. And success for me looks like enjoying my day-to-day -day and doing the work that is so fulfilling to me. And although I did love my corporate job and I did love my job at the gallery, I'm just the type of person that wants to be the boss and wants to be the creative. And so with that, I think success is, you know, it's not a number. It's not uh, an amount of money that you're bringing in. Although I do think that money is important. What me feeling successful is being present and enjoying the present moment and not only just enjoying it, but challenging myself there can be a lot of discomfort there. And I feel like that can be success as well. It has to do with me personally doing self-inquiry of like, how do I want to feel? What do I want to bring to life? And how can I be the best human that 
I can visualize and see for myself on a day-to-day basis. So something that I found really interesting about the reflections that you were sharing of your journey and the stories that you've shared with us thus far is the incredible amount of self-reflection and questioning that you've been doing with yourself and also with your creative community and through your coaching practice. And working with you and preparing the themes for this season, we recognize the importance of not providing answers, but actually creating a curated new set of questions. So perhaps you could bring our listeners into our thinking and methodology around this idea of questioning that we are inviting our listeners to join us on. I believe that self-reflection and self-growth, personal development is so important. It's one of the things that I absolutely love about being human, that we can just evolve into the highest version of ourselves that we believe is possible. And one of the ways I find is so helpful in doing so is just asking great questions. In the coaching school I went to, they called them high mileage questions. And they're questions that really make you dig deep. And so with this season, we'll be presenting a lot of these questions to all of you and discussing them in detail with our own reflection, our own personal opinions about them. I think a great question to ask yourself is thinking out into the next year, what are your three results that you want to create in your life? Writing those down and just visioning out into the future. What are the three results or three goals that you want to create for yourself? And the next question would be, what's getting in the way? So what are the obstacles that are getting in the way of you creating these results? This is the basics of coaching, really visioning out, setting goals, looking to the future, seeing what's getting in the way of making those goals happen, and then coming up with a plan, a strategy to take steps to create those results, create those goals in your life. Now, those goals are going to be very different for every person. You know, what we've talked about what success is, and success is a very unique idea for each person, really. And I think it comes down to your core values. What are your core core values? And that's something early on that in the foundational coaching sessions that I have with my clients, we go over. What are your deepest desires? And what do you value most in your life? And those core values will help you understand what success looks like to you. So my core values are integrity, creativity, adventure, and well-being. So I've built my business off of these core values. I built my life off of these core values. And when I am successful, all of these values are coming into play. I know that a lot of people value freedom. 
and especially as an entrepreneur. So really getting clear on what your values are will help you understand what to shoot for. Do you know what your core values are? I definitely think that freedom is one of my core values. And I think that's why I've really gravitated towards pursuing art full time, because that means I get to set my own schedule and really just define all the aspects of my daily life. But it's interesting to me to see, even within myself, often I look to the outside world to define like what success looks like for me. And so I see, you know, people on Instagram or online or even through the grapevine of friends and networks. And I often find myself comparing my journey to others. And only because of doing work with you and thinking deeply about my core values and thinking deeply about where I want to be going, have I realized that perhaps I'm comparing myself to people who are on totally different paths. I'm feeling these emotions of comparison and, you know, perhaps even jealousy come up around things that maybe I don't actually even want, nor have I been working towards. So it's funny to me that, especially in the creative industries, there's often a lot of competition, but what are we even really competing for? Like there isn't necessarily such a linear path to quote unquote success defined for us. And because of that, this lack of definition creates even more confusion. So I would ask you, Lauren, how should we go about unfurling this massive knot of all these different things and, you know, even just begin to deal with that kind of jealousy and scarcity mindset or competitiveness that comes up among our peers or among people we don't even know online and, you know, reconcile our own place and emotions with that. Yeah. I mean, it's a dance. I watch myself too, go back and forth with like reading books and thinking, oh, this is the way. And then testing it out and being like, oh my God, this does not work for me, <laughs> which really, you know, comes down to something I, I want to talk about too, is like what failure is to you, you know? So redefining failure as well so that you can experiment so that you can test things out and figure out, does this work for me or does it not? Because in the beginning, you're going to do a lot of testing. You know, that's how we find our way. And I think that it can be helpful to look to other people sometimes and acknowledge that jealousy and the envy because that actually might be a guiding light for you as well to show you what you desire. You know, one of the guides that I have that I walk my clients through as well is this thing called role models and brand ambitions. And I have them look at different brands or businesses or people that really inspire them or even make them feel envy and and see what it is about them that they really resonate with, you know? 
So it is helpful sometimes to look to those people and, and expand your brain to know what, what could be possible for you. And on the other flip side of things, really spending the time to listen to your inner guide and your intuition. And if something doesn't feel like it's working for you to pivot and shift. I think that really also goes into the conversation of like trusting yourself and trusting your instincts. I found that, you know, being an artist, people are really quick to give comments and advice and tell you, you know, what to work on or who to contact or, you know, what gallery to approach or, you know, what to share on Instagram or whatever it may be. And, you know, I think it's important to reach out to your community, but at the same time, you have to be able to trust yourself. I think that goes into the conversation of also like the feeling of powerlessness that you can really have as an emerging creative, as an emerging artist, like the art world, you know, there's many art worlds, but all of these can feel so daunting and so judgmental. And you just feel like such a small fish. That sense of powerlessness can be so overwhelming. It really comes down to mindset, which is the core of what coaching is. Being able to see the thoughts that are going on in your mind and make sense of them and choose the ones that are going to create the results that you want. You know, consciously choose those and allow the other fear thoughts to be there, to recognize them, to have acceptance for them, to have compassion for those thoughts that are trying to keep you safe. You know, our brain has a tendency to focus on all the things that can go wrong and will go wrong because it's a protection mechanism. You know, it's making sure that we don't get eaten by that tiger. But as you make sense of your brain, you can see that like, okay, those thoughts are there to protect me, but I can actually choose a different, more empowering thought. So like even the thought of like, you know, the only way to get good at something is to be bad at it first. Like, how would that support you? And when you're starting out, really asking yourself, what are your best theories? Like, if you have an issue or obstacle what are your best theories for the solution? And that's essentially what I'm doing in each coaching session too, is pulling out this information from the client. You know, I have some direction, I have some experience from my own life and my own career, but essentially the person, you as a person know what's best for you. And so asking those questions, you can begin to coach yourself, really asking yourself, what are the theories that I have to create the solution that I'm wanting, and then go test those theories out, get feedback from the world. And then, you know, and be willing to not do it so well in the beginning and look like a fool and feel really uncomfortable but be able to talk yourself through it and create powerful thoughts like, I can handle this. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. 
I've got this, you know, even simple thoughts like that. Those are, those have been the most powerful for me and, and being your, you know, essentially being your own cheerleader. Yeah. It really reminds me of what Arvind Kamsay told me. Arvind is a NFT expert, but he opened his conversation by sharing his thoughts on, you know, being your biggest fan. I'll include that clip here for you guys to hear. No one would believe in your art as much as you do. No one would believe in your artwork, your product as much as you do. So to expect someone else, even your like best promoter, will believe more in your work than you do, that is not going to be a helpful mindset. Because it will never happen. Yeah, because, you know, even starting my own business, my parents didn't understand what coaching was. And they were like, you know, they loved me. I love them. They love me. We, I, they've been very supportive in my life. But they were like, why, what are you doing? This is a ridiculous thing you're doing. You're going to quit your corporate job and start a coaching business. And to this day, my mom still wants me to go back to school to become a psychologist, you know, like she has her own vision for me and I have to be my own champion and, and know that like in those moments of vulnerability, when I'm feeling like really insecure about what's going on, especially in the beginning of my business, I couldn't really share that much with my parents because they didn't understand. They didn't have the vision that I have. The work is really in believing in your vision. And some of actually in a coaching session yesterday with one of my clients, you know, I, I suggested like grounding herself in her vision, like really getting into the dream. Like, what would that look like? What are the characteristics of this vision you have? Because that's where the belief sinks in, is is really allowing yourself to to get into those dreamy feels, you know, and and that's all from within. It's not, you know, someone telling you like, oh, you should be doing this, you know, it's it's even closing your eyes and thinking out to, you know, what what does this project look like? you know, best case scenario, if I could do something even beyond my wildest dreams, what would that look like? And that really creates the excitement to keep going. I love that idea of like, you know, really going into your vision and like defining that because I feel like sometimes we, we skip ahead and we like, you know, go immediately into the practicals of like, okay, like, what do I need to set up? Like, you know, what software do I need to get? Or, you know, what art supplies do I need to buy? Or how much is this going to cost me? And, you know, how many hours do I have in a week to dedicate towards this? And, you know, we kind of skip the fun part of realizing that like being artists and, you know, getting to work creatively, you know, we, we get to live in that, you know, visionary space and be in that future flow, creative state. And I forget that all the time myself. So it was a really good reminder. And I think it's really about like building that resilience, just like recognizing that that compounds over time, that you're just like leveling up to be the best version of yourself. And that of course includes a lot of setbacks and 
you know, experiments and failure and everything. But that in order to be here for, you know, a good time and a long time, we have to, you know, we have to work. Doing that internal work can be like the hardest thing to admit and hardest thing to do. You know, we're here to help you do that, to help you, you know, start thinking about these, these other aspects of creative work that are often overlooked by our mainstream industry. And yeah, that's really the point of this season is really to pose some new questions and pique your curiosity around all elements of emerging art and creative work and creative business. And of course, that includes like past topics that we've touched upon, like technology and, you know, scarcity mindset and so many of the incredible conversations I've had on this show have really led to this moment and like led into this new collaboration that I have with Lauren. And I just, I'm so excited to keep bringing you interesting thoughts and topics to ponder. Yeah. And theories to test out. Thank you for listening to Art Is, a podcast for artists. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in this episode. To access the episode transcript and more info on the themes outlined in Season 5, go to artispodcast.com. This episode was created by me, Isata Page, and Lauren Hill from Curated Splash. It was produced by the amazing women at The Wave Podcasting with original music by Black Wonder Twins. You can find them on all streaming platforms and on YouTube and Instagram under the same handle. Okay, that's it for now. See you next Thursday.